I have no doubt that God is still in control and that he is going to take what is going on and bring it to his glory. I absolutely know that because, because while we've been sheltering in place, some amazing things have happened. This last week, uh, across my news feed, there was a, an article that I'm going to share a lot of that article with you today. Uh, it, it came out from the NFL. You know what the NFL is, the National Football League? Uh, pretty much uh, employing mostly men, okay? So it's an organization mostly of men. Of course, they got some ladies in, in that organization as well. But this begins, this, uh, this uh, article begins, first in, last out. Anybody ever heard that phrase? First in, last out. When you're an athlete, you're, you're the first one at the practice facility, and you're working out, and you're the last one out. That shows your dedication to your sport, to the athletics of it. Then it says, NFL general managers and coaches and those who assist them work within a highly competitive culture. Putting in extremely long hours is simply understood as part of the job. Uh, The uh, Detroit Lions general manager, Bob Quinn, says, everyone that works in football sacrifices a lot of family time. That's just the way it always has been. Until the pandemic. Hmm. The league closed team facilities in March due to the coronavirus, and they sent coaches and general managers home. Those with families wound up under the same roof with their wives and kids on a daily basis for an extended period of time for the first time in their careers. And even though team headquarters were open earlier this month, some teams opted to stay in place while continuing to connect with each other via computer and cell phone. General managers and coaches discovered, discovered that taking care of business for their teams between breaks for meals with family members became an enlightening experience. During the NFL draft, kids were seen hanging out around their dads as the picks were being made. TV cameras capturing those touching scenes not ever seen before because, well, they didn't ever happen before. Jacksonville Jaguar coach Doug Marone tried to take full advantage of this situation, sitting at the dinner table and stirring up conversations with his family now on a regular basis. This is a time, he says, that I feel like I can make up for some things that I feel guilty about. For so many years, I've been at work. Detroit Lions coach Matt Patricia sheepishly acknowledged he inhabits the team headquarters longer than he would like and spends some nights there during the season. For the past few months, though, Patricia's wife and his kids have had unprecedented access to him. He says, I've never been around my family this much, and I've never been home this much, he said. I've never been in a situation where I can make my kids breakfast and then go back down to work, or run upstairs to have dinner and then go back to work, or put my kids to bed and then go back to work. He says, I don't have a very good life balance. I'm trying to because I need to have a better life balance. Hopefully, we'll try some things remotely and find out that they work. You know, some people were really put out during this COVID situation, stay at home. But some really good things have been happening with the family. You you know what we're finding out, uh, at least in some areas of life during this uh, coronavirus, stay at home? We're finding out that dads matter. Okay? Dads actually matter matter. Some have said that it takes a village to raise a child. I'm convinced that God's word tells us it takes a family to raise a child. Now hear me out. 
Hear me out. I fully realize that there are very capable women out there who have been tasked, unfortunately, of raising children on their own. And some of them get help from family. Some of them get help from the government. Uh, I got to tell you, those ladies are my heroes. They are heroes, truly. Uh, This morning, my aim is not to belittle those ladies who have raised kids on their own. But I do want to point out that as good as they are, the original design of God was for that not to have happened. God, the creator, created fathers and mothers for a reason. He created the family unit for a reason. It was his design that a daddy and a mommy both bring incredibly important things into the life of a child. And you can easily make a case that the breakup of the family, at least in part, is responsible for the breakup of our society and the society being in the state that it is in today. So this Father's Day, I want to briefly, yeah, very briefly, address the men of Powell Butte Christian Church. You matter. You matter. You matter to your families. You matter to your marriage. You matter to your kids. You matter to your community. You matter to this church. You matter. Our society has told dads that they're just a donor of genetic material. You've been relegated to an afterthought in the court life. You've been an object of suspicion to the child welfare system. You've been portrayed as a buffoon in the media. But I believe that scripture models this principle, that the more encouraged and supported fathers of this country are, the, 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 more, the, the better fathers they become, and the better our society will become as well. You see, when men, when we stand up to be the kind of men that God created us to be, then I believe this world changes for the good. Because once you're transformed, your homes are transformed. And once your homes are transformed, your community is transformed. And once the communities of this nation are transformed, this country is transformed, and so on and so forth. And as you begin to model for your kiddos what God wants you to model, then your kiddos will become those people that God intended them to be as well from the beginning of creation. So right now... Dads, men, stand up. We want to give you an applause. Come on. Wives, wives, kids, let's give our our folks a a round of applause. Thank you so much, guys, for, for being who you are. Our scripture today is one of my very favorite Father's Day passages. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 2. So you want to go there, 1 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to be reading, actually, this one from the English Standard Version, which is different from the Pew Bibles, which is fine. We'll have the words up there, but you can follow along. Um, it's, it's the last words of King David, the very last words of Israel's most famous, most beloved king. Uh, he's on his deathbed. He's got his son, Solomon, who's getting ready to succeed him as king, and he's giving him some final words of advice and wisdom. We, we find this in chapter 2 of 1 Kings. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper 
in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay, pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Man, that is stuff that Hollywood wishes that it could have thought of. I, I love this being our passage for Father's Day because in this we learn so much about what God thinks about dads and what God's command to dads really are. And it's basically a, a two-part sermon, just two, two points, right? Real quick. Number one, men, show yourself a man. Show yourself a man. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a man? You know, over the last few decades, we have developed a, a gender that is greatly confused. Men no longer know what their responsibilities are. They, they no longer know what their rights are. We see men running the gamut from uh, being inappropriately abusive and dominating on one side to, to being a noodle-armed, wishy-washy, beaten-down, kind of tiptoeing through a, a minefield existence on the other. We seem confused. We have this deep feeling that we... We need to be needed, and yet it seems like our world is telling us that we're not needed. We've got this really deep down feeling, uh, a need to contribute and to make a difference to our families, to provide security for our wives and our, and our children. But then when we try to lead, we're, we're made to feel ashamed, and we're shut down. Now, in a very controversial passage in the Bible... Something becomes very clear when you actually look at it in its original language, the Greek. You, you know, when you read it in English, people think that Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to his protege, Timothy, that somehow Paul just hates women. Not so, by the way, not so. Uh, Paul used women so many times in his ministry, it's not even funny. Uh, I'll show you so many passages where he mentions women involved in ministry. Paul didn't hate women, but if you, if you look at certain English translations of, of the Greek, you, you might tend to think that that's the truth, though. Because you read where he says to Timothy, like in 1 Timothy 2, I, I do not permit women to have authority over men. Wow, that's, that seems pretty sexist there, Paul. And, 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 yet, and yet, when you realize something here, if you actually go back and look at the Greek, Paul talks about authority a lot in, in many of his uh, writings. He uses two words mainly to, to talk about authority. He talks about exousia, which is power, authority, where, where one person is in a position over another person, or somebody's in charge of a, of a particular area of life. That's exousia. Or he'll use the word dunamis, which is the dynamite word that we saw in the book of Acts last, last year. And so when he talks about power and authority, he'll use those words a lot, uh, over eight times and, uh, for one and, and over 12 times for another. And so it's very interesting that when he gets here to tell Timothy, I do not permit a woman to exercise authority over a man, he doesn't use those words. In fact, he uses a word that is not used in the New Testament any other place except here. It, it, it's a word that started out to mean somebody who kills a, a family member. Okay, that was then the, the classical Greek. Now, obviously, Paul's not saying, I do not permit a woman to kill a man. Duh. Obviously, but by the time Jesus came down to the earth, that the classic Greek had turned into a common Greek term, a Koine Greek language. And in the Koine Greek, this term started to mean dominating over. Dominating over. 
So in the proper context, understanding that with that word, this really, the flavor of this is women, and actually that word could also mean wives, and I believe that he's talking to wives here. Wives, don't dominate your husband. Don't dominate over him. Why? Well, because a man needs to feel like he's needed and wanted and that he contributes and that he can be a leader. And when a lady begins to dominate, when a wife begins to dominate over her husband, well, that, that's actually what, what you get from that is how many men are portrayed in relationships anymore. That they're wimps, that, that they're, they're bumbling, they're harebrained, that they'll do anything that their, their wives tell them to do. My predecessor here, uh, Pastor Chris, would jokingly say, I am not hempecked. And uh, <clears throat> don't tell my wife I said that, okay? It was awesome. Don't, I'm not hempecked, and don't tell my wife I said that, okay? I mean, that's funny. That's fun, but, and, and that shows where we've come, that men are, are depicted as being henpecked, like, like they can't be a leader at home. But men, you cannot miss what God says it means to be a man. Too many men become abusive trying to dominate their wives through violence because they feel like they have been put down and so they don't know how to do it. So they actually start to get physical and violent. And by the way, folks at home, folks here, if that's you and you know that to be true, please come see us. Please come see us. You need help. That's a sin because that's toxic and you're hurting people that you should be protecting and loving. And we don't want to stand in condemnation over you at all. We want to actually open up our doors. And if that's you, we need to help you find some help for that. Because God does not want you to live in that sort of environment, uh, abusing your wife and children that way. You are to love your wives, creating security for them. If your wife is cowering at your so-called authority, you are in sin. And we need you to come in and talk with us so that we can find you some help. So that's how some guys do it. That's not what it means to be a man, is to be just, oh, oh, me, me, man, you, you do what I tell you to do, and, and I'll smack you around if you don't. Number two, it, it doesn't mean that you're checking out. A lot of guys just check out. That they either leave the family, leave the marriage, leave the family, uh, not taking the responsibility that men should take, because you are given a responsibility. When you have a family, you have people to take care of. You have people to protect. And when you check out and you walk away, that's sinful. Some of you say, well, I, I would never divorce my wife. I'd never walk out on my wife. But you've probably checked out emotionally. That You just don't show her any kind of affection anymore. You just kind of figure, well, what's the point? You've checked out and you don't care about it anymore. Um, you're at work as much as you can, so you don't have to be home listening to it. Folks, that's not what it means to be a man. Other guys, they just never grow up. They just never grow up. Uh, when they got married, they were looking for a second mama to take care of them. And so they, and I know my wife is here, darn it. So they leave their clothes down so that she can pick them up. Or they put their dish in the sink. Or worse yet, they just leave it by their chair because she can come around and pick it up. Folks, th that might have been cute when you were a teenager, but you're a man, and men can take responsibility and partnership with their wives to do things at home 
Because you're not a little boy anymore. See, God created you to be a man. And none of those things that you see up on the screen fit that description. Those wild heart feelings that you have, those are good. Don't ignore them, but don't abuse them either. Don't use them as an example to just kind of check out or or just play video games for for the rest of your life anytime you come home. Um, those feelings were given to you by a divine design, by the way, these wild heart. They should be celebrated and they should be nurtured in a community of Christ where we can make sure that we are being godly and keeping each other accountable so that we can bring honor and glory to God in the way that he made us as men. Men, our masculinity is special because through it we have the opportunity to reflect the God image to our world. We reflect God as fathers. We reflect God as providers. We, uh, we reflect God as protectors. God made us in his image. And so David is looking at Solomon and saying, Solomon, you're going to be king. But before I want to even tell you about being a king, I want to tell you about being a man. Show yourself a man. Observe how God has made you and strive to reflect him the best you can in every area of your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your work, in your ministry, amongst your friends. Reflect godliness in all you do. Strive to cooperate with the spirit that lives inside of you to produce the the spiritual fruit of love and joy and and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. The way, men, the way that your kiddos will see God, will have depended upon how they see you as a father. Because we use that term all the time, that God is our father. And so it's dependent upon you. Even if your kids are grown, maybe now you get a chance as a grandfather to do this. But the way your kids will see God will most likely reflect the way they saw you as a dad. So show yourself a man. The way that God created you to be a man. Number two, and do what God requires. Do what God requires. We talked about this last week, Micah 6 8. What does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to do the right thing, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do justly, to do the right thing. God has outlined for us what is right. It's right here in His Word. And not just as a man, but as a man with a responsibility. Back in Deuteronomy, uh, God spelled out for his people exactly how a future king of Israel was to behave himself and how the kingdom was to be run. And that's how God's blessings of strength and wisdom and guidance and protection would come to Solomon as he would undertake the responsibility as not just a man, but as a king. So just like the king, God has given us special, specific ways of doing things right as a man, as a husband, to love our wives. To, 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 be, to, to be loving to her and to, to sacrifice for her, to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Talk about ultimate submission there, to give up your rights for your wife's rights and for your family. Again, God has it spelled out how, how to be a, a dad. And fathers, do not provoke your children. Do not exasperate them. Train them up in the way of the Lord, in the way that they should go. To talk about the scriptures when you lay down and when you get up so that 
they will know them and they will walk in those ways as well. To work hard and to provide for your family. For those who do not do that are worse than an unbeliever, says the Apostle Paul. Don't lord it over those that God has given you charge of. There's a lot of great things that God has told us about doing right and doing just with our, with our wives and our kiddos. But we're all, supposed to, we're also supposed to love mercy. Just because you have authority does not mean that you have to be domineering at all. When I was preaching through the, the uh, fruits of the Spirit, we came to gentleness. And I thought that this was a very interesting um, uh, illustration that I had run across. You know, when you have a child and you have a kitten at home, and little, little children, little kittens... Sometimes they don't do well together because the little kitten is so cute and the little child wants to pet it. And you, you say to the child, you must be gentle. You must be gentle. You must be gentle. Which means I don't need you to put your full force on this kitten. Right? You don't bring your full force just because you have authority. Just because you have a place of, of watching over and caring for your family doesn't mean you have to put your full, full force on that to be gentle. In fact, you'll take that two-year-old's hand and show them. Pet the kitty nicely. And gentleness will not be pushing against that force. When God takes your life and says, this is the way, dads, I want you to operate. This is the way I want you to, to, to bring up your kids. And you don't fight against that. You allow God to actually move you. That's being gentle. Love mercy. Just you, you allow God to take your, your hand, your, your life, and guide you. Why? Because he is a loving father. And he's going to show you what it means to be a loving father. Number three, walk humbly with God. This father thing, this man thing, this, this king thing, that's a privilege given to you, men, by God. You get to reflect, again, his heart, his strength, his wisdom. And that's a lot to be given to somebody. And it says in the Bible that to whom much is given, much is required. Walking humbly with God means to walk in obedience and following in God's footsteps. Realizing that what God is to you you need to turn that around and be that for your kids as well. There is a God, and you are not him. You are just a follower of God. You are to reflect a God image to your family. What's the best advice you'd ever received from your dad? When I was getting into ministry, my dad, who was also in ministry, uh, said, well, um, Trey, uh, don't touch the gold in ministry. Don't touch the girls in ministry, and don't touch the glory I think that was probably my dad's best advice to me. He's given me a lot of pieces of advice. But, but when you're in ministry, those are the temptations that men in, in a position of, of a pastor uh, leading a church, he can fall to. He, he can get greedy and touch the gold. He can, he can uh, stray from his marriage vows and touch the girls. He can uh, touch the glory and not bring glory to God. David is giving advice to Solomon. And, and the advice is amazing. We, we see from David's life that it's his life, not just his words, that influenced Solomon. Like father, like son, you've heard of that. Kids are watching you. Kids are watching you, you know. We're finding out that they follow your actions a whole lot more than they follow your words. 
So the first thing that David is telling his son, what's passed along from father to son are the strengths of a father. The strengths of a father. As, as you are strong, your kiddos are going to get strong in those areas as well. David loved God. Now, David had his issues. We all know that. But his devotion to God was unwavering and outstanding. After all was said and done, David was called a man after God's own heart. He had a heart for God's kingdom, a heart for God, a heart for a relationship with God, a heart for God's laws. And that love of God's laws was passed down to Solomon. And Solomon ruled his kingdom adhering to the laws of God. And he was successful because of it. David also passed along wisdom. Though there were many times where he made some wrong choices, David showed time after time some great wisdom. And Solomon saw that and apparently admired it because when God says, ask me for anything and I'll give it to you, Solomon says, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. I've seen my daddy. I I want wisdom. So our character is passed down. The strengths that we have are passed down because people, our, our, our kiddos are watching us. But unfortunately, our weaknesses are also passed down. You've heard the, uh, the song Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, Little Boy Blue and Man in the Moon. It's a story about a, a dad that uh, has a, a son and he's just too busy for a son. And uh, that was a weakness. He was too busy at work. He was too busy doing his own thing to, to watch his son grow up. And his son kept saying, I want to be just like you, Dad. And at the end of the song, the tragedy is that the son does become just like Dad. And is too busy. Even when dad is now in retirement and says, hey kids, let's, son, let's go and hang out. And says, I love to dad, but I don't have the time. And he goes, and as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. Boy, that's a stupid song. Makes my eyes sweat every time I uh, listen to it. I, I hate how more often than not the areas that I struggle in my life are going to be the same ones that my kiddos end up struggling with as well. Proof? Well, other than the episode with Goliath, what is known about David? Bathsheba, right? This whole incident where he had many wives, many concubines, that wasn't enough. Saw a lady out there, Bathsheba, taking a bath. He brings her in, gets her pregnant, kills her husband so that he won't be found out, then marries her. We find out that uh, David has a, has a weakness. Fast forward to Solomon's life. You know what Solomon's weakness was? His love of women, just like daddy. The Bible tells us that Solomon loved many foreign women, and those wives turned his heart away from God to serve other gods as well, like father, like son. And in the end, the kingdom was weakened because the king was weakened because... The dad had been weak. It's not fun to hear this, men, but the weaknesses and the character flaws that we show will more likely be areas that our kiddos are going to end up struggling with as well. But you know that. I haven't told you anything new that you didn't already know today. So the question for today is, in the last few minutes that we have remaining, is how do we become the men, the husbands, the fathers, and the grandfathers that make a difference, the kind of men that God wants us to be? First of all, I think that there's three things that God really wants us to know. If you look at Scripture, if you look at the examples of godly men in your life, you'll see, first, God calls us to be men of influence. Men of influence. When we have this responsibility that God gives to us, authority is not just throwing around your weight because you're the biggest. 
Real strength does not need to be proven through brutish behavior. Real strength comes when you know how to influence others, how to influence them for the best and for the most positive. So you command respect not merely through your position, but through your character. You know, whenever I've gotten pulled over for speeding, that cop was not out there yelling at me. Wasn't yelling at me. Wasn't trying to demand, I've got authority over you. They were all very quiet, very, very calm. And I was shaking over their authority. See, that, that's what it means, folks, to, to be able to, to not yell and scream and, and, and exert this force in order to have the influence. Fathers, the best way to influence your kiddos is to, to live like how you want them to live. Earning their respect by showing them that you know how to conduct yourself in making good choices and admitting when you've made bad choices. Living authentically so that your life influences how they approach their decisions as well. Yeah, there's going to be some times that you have to put your foot down and insist on it being this way. But I believe that once the kids just watch how you live, watch how you treat your wife, watch how you uh, treat your work, watch how you treat your ministry and, and your faithful church attendance, that's going to rub off on them. Number two, we need to be men of faith. Men of influence, men of faith. One major reason that the American family seems to be in trouble is because for far too long, it seemed like mom was the religious one and dad, not so much. That's sad because here at the ready is this amazing source of wisdom right here. Amazing source of wisdom and strength for dads from the greatest dad ever. We we try to emulate people that we find to be the heroes. We, We talk about who's the goat? Who's the goat? Who's the greatest of all time? And so we'll lift up the greatest of all time quarterback and the greatest of all time rodeo star. Folks, we've got the greatest of all time daddy and our heavenly father. Amen. Boy, why don't we follow his example and try to be like him? I can learn a lot of stuff from my earthly father, but I know that he's made mistakes. I need to be learning as much from my heavenly father because I know that he will never make a mistake. Now, the good news, folks, the good news is that here at Palo Christian Church, we have men who make worship on Sundays an important part of their, their week. We have men who will come to Bible studies. And, and I want to celebrate that because you're on the right path. Some guys don't even get that far. Women, if you are here and your husbands are not here, if you're watching at home and you're, 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 your husband is someplace else, please know we're kneeling with you in prayer for him to come to faith. Because as good as a husband as he is now, can you imagine how much better he is when he's a man of faith and looking to God for his example? Lastly, and right now I'd invite the worship team to come on up, God calls us to be men of integrity. Do you know why Solomon failed to live up to these instructions? Show yourself a man and keep God's commands? Well, because ultimately David did not keep all of the commands as well. We cannot say to our kids one thing and then do another. We just can't. We cannot do that. Our actions have to speak louder than our words. If we want to be real men, then we must be real men of integrity, where, where we keep our word, where if we say that we're going to do something, we do it, where, where we keep our priorities straight, where we don't allow our lives to stray from the commands of God. So men, today, happy Father's Day. You are needed. 
You are wanted. You matter. We need you to be the men that God created you to be. We need you to be the husbands and the fathers and the servants and the leaders that God designed you to be. The strength of this church depends on it. And so we will never beat you up. We will never beat you up, except in love, of course. We're committed to stand by you, to link arms with you, to, to get you the help that you need, to make sure that you've got, we, we got your six, loving you like real men are supposed to love other men. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link, and so we are committed to strengthening every single one of you. Be watching this, this year for things like man church. That may be a, a thing where we gather men together and, and just help each other. Uh, be, be watching for those men's, men's studies to, to start back up again uh, and be involved in those. Uh, be as much here on a Sunday morning as you can. We need you to be the men God called you to be. And, and, I, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen when we do. Let me pray for us and then we will uh, end our service with a song and we will be done. God, thank you so much as we have gathered here once again now together that uh, you have sustained us through these last few months of sheltering in place and watching TV, uh, watching church on TV. God, I do thank you for Father's Day, a a time that we can honor the dads in our lives, the, the godly men in our lives. And God, I thank you so much that you've given to us an amazing example of what a a father must be. And I would pray that we would have men in this congregation take that seriously. Lord, as we leave this place, may you shine through us. May these dads feel honored and loved and needed and wanted. And, And may they make a difference then in the lives of their families, in the lives of this community, in the lives of this church. God, we love you so much and we thank you for this time. I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.